0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up.
1: Very glad you're with us for the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We've got good, good and bad martinis for you today. Uh, We love the goods and uh, the bad one. Not a surprise, but it is uh, really, really bad. Uh, hope you all enjoyed our uh, conversation with New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu yesterday. A little bit longer fare uh, than usual, about twice as long, in fact. So uh, hopefully you had time to uh, check it out and uh, and uh, found uh, what I thought was a pretty wide-ranging discussion uh, helpful and some good uh, innovative ideas on a number of fronts there. But uh, as we said at the end yesterday, back to our usual fare today, and uh, that'll be the way of it uh, going forward. So, uh, Jim?
0: Greg, I just want to let you know, I've just heard from a listener in California who sent me a text and said, contrasting Chris with my governor makes me want to cry. (laughs) So, he's got some fans out in California.
1: Wow. Well, yeah, I'm guessing Gavin Newsom doesn't give a lot of speeches about minimal government control. So... Mm. uh, (laughs) That's probably one of the problems out there. Uh, But anyway, let's get to our first good martini now. And that happened yesterday in the democratically controlled United States Senate. I use that term loosely, but the Democrats are the majority since the vice president breaks the ties in the 50-50 split. And yesterday it was get them on the record day for the Democrats for their... Way beyond Roe, abortion bill that they wanted to put into law. The media, of course, dutifully going along, just saying it codifies Roe. No, 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 no. It goes way beyond that. It allows abortion for any reason, all the way up to the moment of birth. It nullifies hundreds of state laws about parental notification, uh, laws banning abortions based on gender or disability or anything else. Uh, you know that, that you've seen along the way. Um, you know, like we talked about yesterday with the governor, a, a ban after. Two trimesters, ban after uh, 20 weeks, whatever it is. All those things would have been wiped off the books. So the Democrats uh, were lying about what the bill did. In the end, Joe Manchin went along with the Republicans. So the, um, the vote on the motion to proceed was 51 against, 49 in favor. So it needed to get to 60, so it didn't even come close. And so uh, uh, the Democrats uh, fell far, far short here. Uh, but here's the fun part. Uh, <laughs> in addition to the fact that the, uh, uh, the pro-life side won on this vote, you got Elizabeth Warren, who's got a little bit of a problem with math, Jim. She's upset that the minority of 51 stopped the majority of 49. Here's what she said. I believe in democracy. And I don't believe that the minority should have the ability To block things that the majority want to do. That's not the Constitution. What we're talking about right now are the individual rights and liberties of half the population of the United States of America. I think that's enough to say it's time to get rid of the filibuster. We need to protect voting rights. We need to protect women's rights. And understand this, Mitch McConnell has made clear, they're coming after everybody. So we need to do this, get it on the board. Well, they didn't get it on the board. But uh, Jim, what do you make of uh, uh, what the Democrats said they were voting on yesterday and what the bill actually did and and whatever we just heard there from Liz Warren?
0: First of all, Greg, I was struck late yesterday afternoon when I kept seeing the text updates from various news organizations that a lot of them said variations of Republicans use filibuster to reject abortion, you know, know, pro-choice law or Roe v. Wade protection law. 49 to 51. And I looked at that and I'm like, well, if it loses 49 to 51, that's not using the filibuster. <laughs> and then when you see Warren ranting about, oh, the, the minority is stopping this. No, on this one, you guys were the minority. Now, one of the great ironies is, is that it would not have taken a great deal of tweaking of the Democratic legislative response to the expected decision from the Supreme Court to get the Susan Collins on board if you get uh, uh Lisa Murkowski on board um Manchin describes himself as pro-life uh but he you know presumably you, if you there, there's probably some room for negotiation you could have gotten a handful of you know Republican votes on this or Manchin on this and they did not get them and I I, I don't make a habit out of reading The Bulwark one of those other <coughs> conservative publications <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just two headlines really caught my eye. The first is Charlie Sykes who is just fuming. He's just livid. He's a Chuck Schumer's political malpractice. Now, I would have point out at National Review and I guess probably a lot of listen, a lot of programs at Radio America, if you hear about Chuck Schumer's political malpractice, you you can't see it but we have smiles on our faces <laughs> right we're happy we're, we're we're very happy to tell you chuck schumer's terrible i notice that the bulwark there's definitely this tone of oh whoa is us this is terrible isn't this terrible going on so I, I'm, I'm teasing them a little bit but i kind of point out that like You know chuck schumer being a terrible democratic party leader strikes me as a good thing from where from what i stand for and what i want to see happen i'm not i'm not crying any rivers over it the other thing which you want to talk about just the toughest metaphor you possibly could i've had my disagreements with tim miller but i think his assessment on this one is fairly accurate and it's a very eye-catching headline at least for me greg quote chuck schumer is on the cusp of butt fumbling the biden agenda Now, sadly, this does not include a GIF of Mark Sanchez running into his offensive lineman against the New England Patriots on that. It was a Sunday night game a couple years ago. Obviously, one of the more infamous uh, plays in NFL, but it's a perfect metaphor for just utter uh, incompetence and and not just failing, but failing in a spectacular and memorable and eye catching manner. It's it's, you know, which again, he doesn't write explicitly about or or, entirely about the abortion issue. But it does seem like if you know if you could, eat, Chuck Schumer had a choice. He could really placate Nayral, uh, the Twitter left, the most vehemently and outspoken pro-choice Democrats, or he could get something, get get more than 50 votes, get a couple, a handful of Republicans on board, and make be able to make the argument, hey, we've got a bipartisan majority trying to get this done, and those obstructionist Republicans won't let us do it, using the filibuster. Or he could go this path in which the opposition is bipartisan because of uh, Manchin and in which they actually have a minority perspective. And it seems like just terrible management on this issue. Again, this is why it's our good martini. I don't want Chuck Schumer to be particularly effective on this, but uh, I do think it is kind of interesting that there is this broad recognition that this is the issue Democrats think is going to get them back into the majority and that's going to be this huge game changer for the 2022 midterms and they can't get 50 votes when the Democrats have 50 votes in the Senate.
1: Yeah, they're trying to gaslight America by thinking Americans are fine with abortion all the way up to the moment of birth. Uh, Americans do... Uh, at least according to the polls I've seen, uh, are okay by a narrow, but but you know, outside the margin of error, margin are okay in the first trimester. You and I would probably disagree with that. Um, but in the second and third trimester, and especially in the third trimester, it's like 80% of Americans are opposed to that, and, uh, and the left just can't acknowledge that. I forgot to mention that uh, the bill also uh, removed conscience protections. So uh, pro-life physicians uh, would have had to perform abortions under this legislation. Um, but my exit point here, Jim... Uh, regards Elizabeth Warren, and I think she's just bad at math because um, think about this when it comes to race, she thought she was in the minority when she was really in the majority, and when it comes to motions to proceed like yesterday, she thought she was in the majority, but she was really in the minority, so she 's just confused
0: It's really bad when like Joe Biden would say, "You don't know where you are, or what you're talking about <laughs> you don't even know who you are. I know it sometimes. <laughs>
1: Well, you know where you want to be when it comes to your business and when it comes to business checking. And look, fortune favors the bold, the strong, the brave. But for your business to break out of anything holding you back, you need business checking that's as brave as you are. And that's why Novo is introducing Novo Business Checking.
0: Novo is powerfully simple business checking. And unlike traditional banking model, Novo has no minimum balances, no transaction limits, and no hidden fees. Instead of a one-size-fits-all approach, Novo is customized to your business to save you time and free up cash flow with seamless integrations to Stripe, Shopify, QuickBooks Online and more. Sign up for Novo for free and join the community of more than 150,000 fearless small businesses who have found the customizable business checking solution that admires their brave.
1: This is one of those things you don't want to have to worry about, but you do want the best possible setup for your small business. So sign up for your free business checking account right now at Novo.co slash martini. Plus, 3Martini Lunch listeners get access to more than $5,000 in perks and discounts. Go to Novo.co slash martini to sign up for free. Novo.co slash martini. Novo Platform, Inc. is a fintech, not a bank. Banking services provided by Middlesex Federal Savings, F.A. Member FDIC. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Jim, on to our second good martini. And for that, we go to the state of Georgia. Their primary for, well, a lot of things. Senate, governor, uh, state offices. Besides that, including Secretary of State, uh, House of Representatives, everything. uh, Coming up later this month, Uh, they started early voting. On May 2nd. And so this is the first time uh, Georgia is conducting statewide elections after the installation of their draconian Jim Crow 2.0 voting laws they passed last spring. And because of the uh, insane reaction, Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star game out of Atlanta and uh, out to Colorado. And uh, everybody just thought Georgia was the worst place on earth because this was going to disenfranchise people. And darn it, we're going to see a rolling back of uh, free and fair elections. No. That is not what is happening in Georgia based on the early numbers, uh, because when you look at both uh, early voting, which they have 17 days of, I'm not sure how you can uh, consider that restrictive, but uh, whatever, Uh, but when you also factor in mail voting, absentee ballot by by mail, in 2018, four years ago, when uh, Stacey Abrams pretend won, uh, at this point, uh, in the first several days of the election, uh, with early voting, they had uh, under a hundred thousand votes uh, cast and collected. Right now, two hundred fifty thousand, uh, Jim, and this began on May second. So. Brad Raffensperger, who, of course, took a lot of heat uh, in the wake of the 2020 election, uh, is basically doing a victory lap here. He says the national media, by and large, showed their bias and it was all leaning on the left side of the aisle. If someone said something, they never fact checked it. And what is the actual truth about this? It's real easy. Just read the bill. It's less than 100 pages. You could have read that bill. It's not like D.C. where you write a 1,000-page bills. Ours is less than 100. You're going to see it right there, point blank. 17 days of early voting. We have accessibility, but we have security. We've had photo ID for in-person voting. We now have photo ID for absentee voting. That shores up security, shores up confidence, and that's a good thing. Jim, in politics and just about anywhere else in life, uh, it's fun to say I told you so, and I think Georgia Republicans can say that
0: now. Greg, as you're going through all that, I was just remembering all of the Americans who died because of net neutrality. Or, or at least we were told we're going to die because of net neutrality. In fact, all across this country, you can run into families who have empty seats at the table because of the net. You know, I'm exaggerating. But remember, you know, there was this law. Republican tax cuts were going to kill people. <laughs> um, I think it was Remy over at Reason Magazine who did this fantastic little video with the chorus, people will die, you know, and this idea that every <laughs> single law, if you, I think, ironically, you know, Elizabeth Warren was the centerpiece of that one, basically saying, you know, these cuts are going to kill people, was her you know, uh, opening video from that. And I'm thinking about how so much of modern messaging, maybe it's because we have a very noisy media environment, people feel the need, just saying, this bill is a bad idea is not going to stand out. Now, re- Democrats seem very, very upset about requiring photo ID to cast a, a, a vote. It's been their position for a really long time. And every time you see some Republican or someone else offer this counterproposal, of, okay, let's say you know, you're too poor to get a driver's license. You are correct that basically uh, your right to vote should not be dependent on that. So the state should be able to provide photo ID for everyone. Once they can verify your identity, and that should be, you know, but we shouldn't charge anyone, but everyone should have to show some sort of ID that says, yes, this is who I am. And oh, by the way, this is where I live. So I'm not voting in more than one jurisdiction. And you're voting at the right polling place and you're, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they, they never seem to want to play ball on this. In fact, they always seem to argue that requiring photo ID is the worst possible thing and is an attempt to prevent people from voting. Uh, they always insist voter fraud doesn't exist. It does exist, but not in a margin to sway a uh presidential election where you know the margins were in the tens of thousands of votes but if you, if you ever had you know 537 votes in florida back in 2000 or the very uh, the al franken senate election came down to 800 votes yeah you could have v- voter fraud on a margin like that when you have you know a couple billion people voting in a state but anyway so all of these issues always just always oh, it's got to be the worst thing on- possible they can't say first of all i don't think i think the georgia bill was a perfectly good idea but what's more is they had to say oh, not only is it a terrible idea Joe Biden had to go down there and say, whose side are you on? Jefferson Davis's are mine. You know, it's always, you know, it's gotta be ramped up to 10. It's always gotta be the most dramatic. And of course, you know, if you notice this, this is not turning out to be voter suppression at all. You're seeing much higher turnout in early voting. Um, I'm reminded of how often you have uh, uh, you know, a whole bunch of campaigns. You see it in presidential campaigns, but you all see it in gubernatorial Senate elections. Someone will say, my opponent is a drooling imbecile. My opponent is the worst possible human being. My opponent doesn't know. And then it comes up to debate time. And all of a sudden, the campaigns switch places. And all of a sudden, the campaign's like, oh, no, our opponents he's, he's a really good debater. He really knows. You know, he, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden, turns into expectations management. right? And all of a sudden, no, my candidate is just a simple guy. I don't know if he's going to do all that well. But their guy, my goodness. Winston Churchill couldn't out debate this guy. You know, and it always gets reversed in this sort of this this kind of mentality. Um, Democrats could not say we disagree with this bill. So they had to say this bill is the worst possible bill everywhere. And then, of course, once it turns out to be that it's not that bad. If you spend a lot of time insisting that a candidate is a drooling imbecile, and then he goes out to a debate and doesn't drool on himself and actually string sentences together in a coherent fashion. All of a sudden, they beat expectations. All of a sudden, so the expectations set by Democrats on this voting bill in Georgia was that it was going to be terrible. And you see the sudden decline in early voting. And all of a sudden, everybody would find it so much harder, and it would be voter suppression. And here we are. Nothing of the sort has happened. Maybe Democrats should try just you know arguing the facts next time. They'll probably won't blow up in their face quite the same way.
1: Amazing. Absolutely amazing. But, of course, they won't admit that. Uh, Other states uh, made progress on voting as well. Arizona, Texas immediately come to mind. I'm sure others did as well. Uh, But the Democrats uh, will simply not admit that. So, Jim, I look forward to uh, November, hopefully, when uh, Stacey Abrams uh, will probably blame this law for the reason she lost, even though more people will probably have voted than the last time she lost, but pretended she won. So, good times. Good times. But speaking of good times, uh, that's Jim every day at his desk in his X chair. Look, many of us spend more time every day in our office chair than our cars or beds. Sadly, I think that is true. That's why it's so important to invest in the right chair to spend those hours with the right level of support and comfort to get the most productivity out of your day. And there's no better way to do that than the X chair.
0: X chair has made my time at my desk not only more productive, it's honestly my favorite place to sit for any reason. Not only does X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar, or DVL, offer the ultimate customized support, but my X-Chair can even give me a massage or heat up or cool down. And now, thanks to X-Chair's new FS360 armrests, I can even adjust my armrests to the perfect position. All of these unique X-Chair features help the hours at my desk fly by in complete comfort, and that's why I love my X-Chair.
1: Go to xchairmartini.com now, that's the letter X-Chair, M-A-R-T-I-N-I dot com or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 per month. One more time, xchairmartini.com. All right, Jim. Yesterday, of course, we had a special edition. We didn't have our usual three topics, although we got to quite a few more topics than that with Governor Sununu. But had we had our normal fare yesterday, we probably would have reacted to uh, the latest uh, consumer price index numbers of 8.3 percent year over year in the month of April. Now that was down slightly from 8.5 in March, and so you had uh, some folks in the mainstream media on the left saying, "Ah, inflation is easing." Well. That's uh, a hard case to make, Uh, but I guess it could have been worse. But the same thing is happening over on the producer side, and the numbers are actually higher. A hat tip over to Ed Morrissey at Hot Air. Uh, Yesterday's report on the Consumer Price Index rate of inflation gave little hope of short-term relief. Today's report on the Producer Price Index gives little hope of long-term relief either. The Producer Price Index, or PPI, hit 11% for the second month in a row. 11% lightened only by the same brief respite from fuel price increases in April that has been entirely mooted this month already. If you've been to the pump lately, you know that. So this is from CNBC. Prices at the wholesale level accelerated further in April, part of a broader inflation problem persisting through the U.S. economy. Uh, The Producer Price Index, which tracks how much manufacturers get for products, At their initial sale, rose 0.5% on the month and 11% from a year ago, but it's a decrease from the record 11.5% in March. Here's the part that uh, grinds my gears, Jim. Excluding food, energy, and trade services, because those are considered volatile, Uh, so that's not even factoring in energy, gas costs. Core PPI rose 0.6% in April and 6.9% from a year ago, which is slightly down again from last month at 7.1%. So, I mean... I know the Democrats are rummaging through the closets for pom-poms at this news, but this is not good. And as Ed points out, it means we're going to be stuck like this for a while.
0: Greg, that assessment sounds a lot like once you take out the absolute worst part, it's slightly less bad. <laughs> yes, because you took out the absolute worst part. Um, so as you, know, you may remember, actually, you know, two days ago, President Biden went out and really went out with this full-throated, inflation is the fault of everybody except me. Uh, primarily blamed it on COVID nineteen, even though COVID nineteen is you know less and less a factor in our lives. Uh, yes, you know Shanghai is still shut down and all that stuff, but not everything uh, we're seeing shortages in. You know passes through Shanghai or has to come through one of those crowded California ports. It's not an issue, for example, in the uh, uh, infant formula uh, crisis we're seeing across the country. Um, then he said it was a Russian invasion, and uh, you know that certainly exacerbated certain certainly you know. Uh, uh, you know, food and, and certain uh, energy, certain things like that. But that, you know, invasion started February 24th, and we were already seeing high inflation well before then. And of course, it's the fault of congressional Republicans who um, don't control Congress. Uh, and so it was just kind of this, all right, so this was clearly preemptive. We all knew that the new consumer price index numbers coming out were going to be bad. The question was just how bad were they going to be? And I warned people the day before that because the projections were anywhere from like, 7.9 to about 8.3. Most people putting at 8.1, and the previous month had been 8.5. The people were going to say it's getting better. Now you know, and the only person I saw who was really bad on that, and I was a little surprised, was Jim Sciutto over at CNN. Uh, I don't know about you, Greg. I kind of see him as the the good Jim at CNN yeah. uh, compared to Acosta. <laughs> but, you know, but it was just. Yeah. A, you know, he says, U.S. inflation took a breather last month for the first time since August. Now, here's the thing. First of all, as I mentioned, the range of expectations was 7.9 to 8.3, and it came in at 8.3. So a little higher than everybody was expecting at 8.1. And if you know the previous month was like the worst in 40 years, well, you've gone from the worst in 40 years to probably the second worst in 40 years. That's really not that much of an improvement. I like the metaphor uh, that the Wall Street Journal editorial board used today. Yes, we're not on, on um, uh, Mount Everest anymore. We're on K2. Uh, we're on the second highest uh, thing <laughs> in, in a really long time. So yeah, you know, did it technically improve by a few tenths of a percentage points? Yeah, not in a way you're really gonna feel. And I think the other thing which is worth noting is that again, gas prices aren't the only factor adding to inflation, but it's a very big one. And if people, you know, as listeners probably have noticed, both the regular gasoline prices and the diesel fuel prices have just been skyrocketing, hitting new records every day. Um, two days ago, the highest point was uh, three thirty-seven, uh, four thirty-seven uh, national average for a gallon of regular gasoline. Then it was four forty. As of this morning, it was four forty-one and like eight tenths of, of a cent. Right. So it's getting worse every day, and this is you know we're half about you know getting to about halfway through May. Chances are the May numbers are going to be terrible too. And I think, like, it's one thing to have bad inflation, and then, it, and then it kind of eases a bit. But we've had, you know, people last fall were saying, hey, oh, my God, have you seen grocery prices? And have you noticed how much it takes to, you know, go into the grocery store? Hey, have you noticed gas line? Biden himself was talking about gas prices back in October. And here we are in May, and it's still bad. It's, again, getting worse. You know, I have this, you know, people say, oh, there's going to be a red tsunami. People just feel it every single day when they go out shopping for stuff. That's why I, you know, it was this mind-boggling story involving Congresswoman Katie Porter, who said, you know, she didn't really notice how bad it was till she went shopping and noticed how expensive bacon was, and she talks about it at this Democratic caucus meeting, and the Democrats said, well, we're not seeing that in our polling. First of all, what are you asking people about if you're not <laughs> detecting people are upset about inflation? And apparently, Porter said back, you're not asking the right questions if you're not seeing it. So, how reassuring is it to know that there's probably a um, a, a circumstance in which a good chunk of the Democrats in, in the House of Representatives aren't really thinking about this too much. They don't really think it's a really big problem. Yeah. Boy, talk about them being insulated. Then secondly, um, I mean, just based on these numbers, it's not, it, you know, this month's not gonna be good. We're gonna get into the summer driving season. Gas prices are probably only gonna get higher. It's gonna be bad folks for the next couple of months. And the only, you know, silver lining to this is that basically the American people are gonna just be like, you know, furious. Uh, come midterm time And That's what what happen, you know, When that happens You do start seeing Changes in policy Often a, long, a lot later Than when you wanted To see them
1: Yeah Yeah Well I'm sure Another uh, draining Of the strategic Petroleum reserve Is in order here Right uh, Because uh, we don't Need that for anything uh, Like emergencies Just Press uh. that
0: button Over and over again That'll do it
1: <laughs> No answers No answers whatsoever Just like his Inflation speech The other day All he did was Try to blame Republicans for it So Good luck. Uh, Jim, uh, have a good day, and we'll uh, wrap up the week tomorrow. See you then. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already, and please tell a friend as well. We'd love to have them join us. Thank you so much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. They're a big help to us. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He is at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Thursday, and please join us on Friday for the next 3 Martini Lunch. Hi everyone, Steve Hilton here. You may have seen my show, The Next Revolution, on Fox News, but did you know about my? Podcast The Daily California. I live in California and I suffer, along with millions of people, the consequences of the madness, the left wing madness that is shoved down our throats by the Democrats who've been in power unchallenged pretty much for so long here. We're fighting back. It's called The Daily California. It's important that we get as many people joining us as possible because, as you know, what starts in California doesn't end there. It can infect the whole country. So join us at The Daily California to help fight back. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts.